today is, is, is obviously a little bit different. And so a bunch of the kids went ahead and went up top. And kids will be dismissed during this moment if, um, if, you, if your child is not going to the back. The leaders are back there in the back uh, waiting on them. Um, so <clears throat> let me pray for us. And uh, then we will jump into a Memorial Day moment for the remnant that did not have enough money to go to the beach. <laughs> so uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll, and then we'll jump in. Uh, Jesus, thank you for life, joy, um, as Tyler has already said, both now and forevermore, wrapped in nothing um, but, but Christ's goodness. And so, uh, Jesus, be exalted in everything that occurs on this crazy Memorial Day that there is no doubt in my mind every person in this room, whether they are a regular or a visitor, will remember as quite a different Memorial Day. Um, Jesus, we love you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So glad you're here. Um, again, it is, it's going to be very different today for several reasons. One, again, because you, you know three-fourths of our church is out uh, playing in the water or something like that. So, so when you see them, stick a knife right in their tire. Um, <laughs> out of good Christian love, just ram a knife right in their tire. <laughs> um, and and um, so, but yeah, no, we really are glad that you're here. Today is going to be quite different. Um, last week, we kind of set aside a moment. I just want to say this up front because, again, if you're a visitor, we by habit and by nature and honestly by conviction, we teach straight through books of the Bible, which is why you see Hebrews back here. Um, we go straight through books of the Bible, verse by verse, line by line, and let the Scripture speak for itself. As a church, we've gone through uh, 20-something books of the Bible. We've got a few more to go, but we're going to try to knock them all out. And uh, just seeing Jesus on every page, and so it's good for us to just look. But all that to say, we haven't done that in the past couple of weeks. Uh, we took a little side break to look at what is joy, and we focusing on mental health. What, what, what does joy look like for the believer? How do, how do you have joy? We had Dr. Al Saunders come last week. And, and so if you came last week and you were like, man, Dr. Saunders is incredible. I cannot wait to hear him today. Well... He's not here, and you got this guy. Um, so, sorry about that. Go to the website, and, and please go listen to everything that he unpacked for us last week. If you were here, was it, I mean, it was incredible. Phenomenal what Dr. Saunders dropped on us. Founder of Wellspring Counseling Clinic in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, so, he, he kind of walked us through a bunch of stuff. And, and the fact is this, our hearts were created to experience eternal joy and happiness. That's true. We were created in the beginning to never experience anything other than joy and happiness. And so the question will be, well, what on earth happened? And that's the problem, what on earth did happen? And so what happened was sin came into the world, uh, separation from God began, uh, that joy that we were supposed to have forever was broken, a gigantic chasm, again, not only between us and God, but between us and joy was was erected because of our sin. And so we needed somebody, a substitute, who could jump that chasm and get to God. Because, to be quite honest, we just can't do it, can we? We fail on our own so often to bring ourselves non-joy, unjoy, disjoy, whatever the word I'm looking for. We, in our sin, we, we bring that on our, ourselves, right? Uh, so Christ came. 
Christ came and not only jumped the chasm that we couldn't jump, but he built a bridge. And he built a bridge through the cross, through his sufficient work, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his life lived without sin. He experienced the fullness of joy. That does not mean always giddy happiness. We know that Christ himself didn't always experience happiness, right? But he experienced joy. We know that. And so for the believer, there's a hope of this, not only life forevermore, but also a very real joy that we cannot um, have on our own. And so for those who trust in the finished work of Christ, who walk the bridge through Him, who... who um, interesting, this is a whole sermon in and of itself. Brandon Sinanon, uh, Tyler Lee, this should perk your interest uh, really quick. Uh, the Bible never says uh, to repent of your sin. That's a whole thing for another day. Um, and I know that threw a curveball to a lot of you. Uh, it does say confess our sins, contemplate our sins, but repent means to turn from trusting in our works and turn to Christ. That the Bible does say. Repent, repent of trusting in yourself and turn to Christ. So for those who consider their sin, confess their sin, yes, but repent of believing there's another way we can earn joy other than Christ, turn to Him, um, there is a joy to be had. Uh, So if you're in this room and you're a believer in Christ, man, you can have joy for real joy. Um, So all that to say, with Christ and Christ alone... Mental health, that's the only source of joy. You just will not find joy in any other realm, mental health-wise or emotional health-wise, other than Christ. You won't find it. Everything else is fleeting. It's like sifting sand. Uh, Like so many in our churches, again, not coveting them or jealous of them, actually, probably a little bit of both, are experiencing right now as as the sugary sands... Anything else we hope to find joy in will just be like sand slipping through our hands. And that's what we've been contemplating, um, and, and Dr. Saunders led us through last week. So, I wanna, uh, we've got quite a bit to go through today, and, and again, you'll understand in just a minute. Um, so last week, Dr. Saunders pointed us to having this worldview through the lenses of Christ. It was so good. Any other expectation will fall flat. So Christocentric joy, Christ-centered joy... Will get us through the, the the deepest suffering anybody could ever experience, and uh, man, I brother, I <laughs> mm, I did not expect them to come today, um, <laughs> but Jarrett Shepherd, gosh almighty, if you didn't hear that brother as he preached his daughter's funeral. Holy moly, that was not human. That was divine, brother. You didn't do that, Jarrett. Like, that wasn't you. Like, seriously. I mean, I'm sitting there going, that ain't that. That is not Jarrett Shepherd. It was Christ. Who was there? It was Christ that spoke through this brother in the midst of incredible, real suffering. But you could not walk away with anything other than, gosh almighty, that dude knows a joy that is real and that is tangible, and I need to figure out what that is. Amen? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, With that said, 
It's only Christ. Only Christ can give that kind of hope that when your four-year-old daughter ends into, enters into eternity, you can stand on the stage and say, God is good. And He is right and just and holy and He has good purposes for you. Trust in Him. Sheesh. Sheesh. Like I don't have another word other than... That's unbelievable. That's what we're talking about. That's the only joy that will satisfy through the hiccups and twists and turns in life. Uh, The wild ride is, is just Christ. So if you find yourself in this room joyless, if you're in this room and you're joyless, if you find your marriage joyless, if you find your singleness joyless, if you find your job joyless, school joyless, hobbies joyless, if you find yourself joyless... At the root of that emotional non-joy, it's a gospel issue. If you find yourself joyless, it's a gospel issue. Now you say, Troy, Beth, there's a sure are a lot of branches that are clouding my view as well. Yes, no doubt about that. I'm not, and the scriptures are not devaluing the fact that there's a lot of branches in life that cloud our joy. Ultimately, the root of all joy has to be found in Christ and Christ alone. And if you don't have that, you will never find a long-term satisfying eternal joy. And that's what we've been trying to focus our hearts on. All right, Troy, where does all this come from? I'm going to give you three verses of Scripture. Let's just read them together again. This is odd for Safe Haven to do a topical sermon, but nonetheless, I think it's going to be beneficial. I think the Lord has us here in this moment on purpose. John 15, 5-11 says this, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you you can't do anything. These things I've spoken to you. Why? That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus is telling us, you cannot have joy apart from me. John 17, 13 says this. Jesus says, but now I, Jesus, am coming to you, the Father. This is in the high priestly prayer. Right before Jesus is about to uh, die, bury, resurrect. Um, And he says this, but I am coming to you, Father. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my what? My joy, my joy fulfilled in them. I teach everything that I teach, Jesus says, so that people will have joy. But that's only founded in my joy. And then 1 John 1, 2, 4 is the only other verse we'll we'll look at in this moment. Um, The life, Jesus, was made manifest. We've seen it. We testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life with which uh, was the Father and was made manifest to us, that is Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. If you find yourself joyless, there's a gospel deficiency somewhere at the root. And that's what Scripture's proclaiming. So, how do you get joy back? Focus on Christ. Pour Christ into your life. Flood yourself with Christ. Have a Christocentric view. So, again, let's do it more practical. If you are distraught over finances, the root issue is a gospel deficiency somewhere. If you are distraught over a relationship, the root issue is a gospel deficiency somewhere. If you're distraught over religion, 
religiosity. There's a gospel deficiency somewhere. And this is good for us to consider Christ. So, here's what you're saying. Troy, are you seriously trying to tell me that the secret to having joy is to make sure that Christ supersedes all things in my life? Are you seriously telling me that? Like, is that what you're really saying? That sounds hyper-spiritual and perhaps even unattainable, right? Well, to Paul, it's not hyper-spiritual or unattainable. It's as simple as A, B, C. Paul says it this way, Philippians 4. I've learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned that the secret of facing plenty and hunger... Abundance and need is this, that I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. And that, dear church, is the context of that verse, not when you want to hit a home run. (laughs) I can do all things through Christ. (whistles) That's not the context of that verse. The verse is, you will find the fullness and the secret of life when Christ is all things. When you can face relationships, when you can face singleness, when you can face finances, when you can face decisions, when you can face turmoil, when you can face parents, when you can face loss, when you can face gain, when you can face uh, job promotion, when you can face uh, job non-promotion, uh, when you can, whatever it is, when any and every circumstance is rooted in, okay, I want to see that thing through the lens of Christ... Talked about this just the other night, Adriana, didn't we? In premarital counseling. When you can find that, you can find joy. That's the hope. That's what he's saying. And Paul says, that's the secret. That's the secret to joy. Is Christ in all things. So theologically, for two weeks we wanted to infuse that in you. And so Dr. Saunders Saunders did so great last week. Again, I cannot tell you uh, the importance of going and re-listening to that. Uh, But number two, practically, why is that so important? Why is that so important? Well, here's why it's important. Every day, you have statistically 20,000 interactions. You have 20,000 monumental moments in your life, individual moments that impact you. Every single one of those moments is doing one of two things. They're either dipping from your bucket or they're pouring into your bucket. Every single one of them is doing something. And you have 20,000 of these statistically every single day. Just consider the complexity of going to a restaurant. And we don't even think about it. We think, okay, I go to a restaurant to just kind of hang out and have fun with one person. That's not true. Here's how this works. Number one, you get in the car. Somebody may or may not get in with you. Interaction. You hear something on the radio. Interaction. You start driving and there's that person... That I'm going to take your side. They can't drive. You can drive. They don't know how to drive. It's not your fault. It's their fault. That's an interaction. You have another interaction. You make it to the parking lot. You're trying to decide, okay, am I going to park here or there? That's an interaction. Somebody steals your parking spot. That's an interaction. Somebody backs out and you get the front parking spot. That's an interaction. Every single one of those, emptying your bucket or pouring into your bucket. 
You walk into the restaurant, somebody's there, there's a big line, that's an interaction. You look across the room, somebody's sitting there at your, that's a coworker. that's an interaction. You look over there, that's somebody from the ballpark, that's an interaction. The hostess walks up, she's real snarky, that's an interaction. She's real happy, that's an interaction. The waitress comes and takes you to your table, that's an interaction. Somebody else comes because you're at Frida's and they bring you a big thing of warm chips, that's an interaction. Uh, then they walk off, somebody else comes up, you begin to have a conversation, that's an interaction. All those are interactions over and over, you have the food, you, you, you see somebody walk in, you're about to leave as you walk out, there's somebody else that's walking in, you look across the parking lot, you decide I need to go to Winn-Dixie, there's 20,000 of these a day. And we don't consider it. And every single one of those over and over and over are pouring or dipping from our buckets. And the whole point is, unless Christ supersedes all those things, they will drain you throughout the day. For every one negative person who dips from your bucket... It takes five more statistically to fill you back up. Now contemplate 20,000 a day. And you go, practically, Troy, that's why I feel like I'm drained. Amen? Like that's why life stinks. Because I feel like I got way more people dipping from my bucket than I got pouring in. Anybody. Right? And, And so we contemplate these things. And as we contemplate that, you may go, well, that seems to be true of every human. And that's the Bible's point. Is that Christians, we get dipped from, we get poured into, but in Christ, you have a secret valve that is inserted and through Him, He is constantly pumping you full of joy till your cup overflows. Overflows. It doesn't mean that you still don't experience real pain and real dipping. It just means that as a believer, you're different because your source of joy ultimately is filled back up in Christ. So, the question is, if you're joyless, are you, are you Christless? Are you intentionally flooding yourself with Christ and allowing Him to flood you? That's the whole point. That's the whole point, man. We want our church not to walk out of the doors going, hey, today I heard 12 ways to be a better person. You know why? Because at the end of the day, you won't be a better person. (laughs) And you won't fulfill those 12 things. We want you to walk out of here going, hey, my source of joy is not in what I do or what I don't do. My source of joy is ultimately in Christ and Christ alone. That's what we want. That's what we want. We want people to talk about Safe Haven and go, I don't know about them, um, but by gosh, they talk about Jesus a lot. <laughs> a lot. That's all I know is they just talk about every Sunday, they just talk about Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's success for us. We want you to be enamored with Christ in all things because that is your source of joy. So with that said, we have a unique, exclusive, one-of-a-kind, irreplaceable source of joy. Now, 20,000 interactions a day can be overwhelming to contemplate. You were like, Troy, you exhausted me thinking about going to Frida's. Right? Much less, much less the 10,000 interactions I have in my home, but when I wake up, by the time we leave, right? With our kids and just whatever. 
Let's boil it down to six. Here's six toxic categories that can compete for your joy that I think all 20,000 can fit in. Six toxic categories. Number one, toxic habits. This digital delusion. Um, I ask our kids, you know, sometimes, hey, what kind of screen time you got going on there for the day? And hoping to hear, hi, Dad, I did real good today. I spent 30 minutes on the screen. And usually it's like, well, today I did real good. I had six hours. (laughs) I'm like, no, that's not no good. But the digital delusion, this toxic habit of constantly being here, um, isolation from people, gossip, excuses, workaholics, giving your life away to work, clutter, uh, mask wearing, um, gluttony, sloth, all this kind of stuff, just wasting our lives away without anything devoid of gospel intentionality. Uh, toxic habits, they, they rob us of joy. Toxic spiritual disciplines. Uh, I'm prayerless. I'm, I'm Bible-less. Um, the gathering of saints is not important to me. Uh, worshiplessness, you know, all these things, they, they, they rob us. Um, We've got to flood our minds with the Lord. Um, thoughts of my mom can only do so much. And I think a lot of times we treat spirituality like that. I know that I need these things in my life, but I just kind of like to think about them. It's a good thought to think that I love Jesus, but I have no real impetus behind it, right? Um, but there's something different about when I'm with my mom. It's just different. Her touch, her voice. I, you know, you're like, Troy, you sound a lot like a mama's boy. I, I've never denied that. Not one time. I will cuddle up in a puddle next to my mom every time I see her. Still, I know this is weird. For, I kiss my mom on the mouth. Every time I see her, it freaks some people out. They're like, that is so weird and gross and whatever. I don't care what you think. In a good Christian way, up yours, you know. <laughs> I, it is what it is. I, 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 it's different. I can think about her as one thing. But when I'm with her, it's a whole other thing. It's one thing to, oh, it, it's good thoughts. I think about Jesus, another thing to be with him, to let him flood you. All right, let's keep, we got, we, there's so much going on, we got to go. Um, toxic beliefs, self-esteem, self-doubt, self-truth, self-help. Troy, did you just say self-esteem is a toxic belief? Yeah. You, you, can, have, you can have value in Christ for sure. But when it's always about me, 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 that's toxic. Those type things. Uh, toxic emotions, a comparison with other people, bitterness, unforgiveness, expectations, pride, envy, anger, lust, greed. All those things promise to fulfill you, promise to give you something that only Christ can give you. At best, those things just provide kind of a temporary numbing effect. Uh, toxic relationships. You're surrounded with people who suck you dry. But for whatever reason, you're not willing to get out of that relationship. (laughs) Suck you dry spiritually. Anyone that's not pointing you to Christ, it's it's, it's, it's just, it's it's turmoil, these toxic relationships. Toxic trauma, I'll I'll wrap that part up there. Toxic trauma. It could be sexual trauma. Even in the room today with the people who, somebody here has experienced sexual trauma. Um, 
emotional trauma, mental trauma, physical trauma, abusive trauma. That's real. That stuff is very real. And sometimes, to be honest, you just keep those bottled in and don't let anybody else know about it. And you keeping that in will rob you dry. Maybe it was an abortion. Maybe it was addiction. Maybe it was parental wounds. Maybe it was religious abuse. I'll, I'll be the one that says it. Maybe it was religious abuse. I'm not talking about gospel abuse. Religious abuse. That's just a real thing. Maybe it was all these things and you're just holding these things in and they're robbing you of joy over and over and over and over. The gospel speaks to those issues. But you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. So you say, man, Troy, golly, all those are me. I got all six of those toxic things going on. Um, And boy, I really need to talk to somebody. Um, Well, I'm going to say three things. Number one, the pastors, elders, and staff are available at Safe Haven Church, always. We don't hide behind a secretary or a secret door. We don't even have secret doors (laughs) at Safe Haven. There's not like the holy offices, you know, that nobody can get to in the church behind the stage. Like, we don't... You can, have my, like you can come to me today, and I'll give you my phone number right now. We're all available. The deacons are available. Um, everybody's available. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, you might need to seriously consider investing time, energy, and effort into uh, clinical counseling like Dr. Saunders through Wellspring. That is not an unholy thing, an ungospel thing. Hey, that is just a real thing. That, that's, that's real. You, you may need that. And then number three, you might need just a non-biased ear that's a biblical counselor that will speak truth and life into you. Um, And in that case, you may go, well, where can I find that? Um, Well, lo and behold, today, I'd like to introduce you to someone. Jim, would you come on up? Um, Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jim Delver. And uh, Jim, you could just, I think, is is this good to go? Good to go. Yeah. And, And so... Hey, Jim. Hey, Troy. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to do transitions. So I'm not good at the cue. I've never been a good MC, but uh, this is Jim. So far, you're doing great. Yes, thank you very much for that. You just poured it in my bucket. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. I need five more of those, please. Uh, so, so with that said, here's, I, I've asked you to come up because all this stuff is real and... Um, just tell us about you first. Introduce yourself to the people. Who are you? Uh, where did you come from? Wife, family, all that stuff. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, Jim Delver. Uh, I suppose the question, who are you, is a, is a question of um, identity. And uh, it reminds me of a, a Latin phrase, simel uh, ustas et peccator, which simultaneously sinner and saint, Right? simultaneously justified and sinner. So that's who I am. Uh, Another way to put that would be to quote John Newton, who said, um, I know two things about myself. I'm a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior. So that's that's who I am. Um, I am uh, also husband to my miraculous wife, Kelly. And I I use that word intentionally. Uh, And then I'm also a grandfather to three, or father to our miraculous son Micah and uh, he lives in uh, Memphis that's why we're here in this area we wanted to move as close as we could get to Memphis and this is as close as we could get Uh, and we're so glad that God uh, landed us here so um, 
that's a, that's a little bit about me. I've also got 30, over 30 years in the radiation therapy uh, field uh, where I've either directly uh, treated or indirectly been with literally thousands of cancer patients and, and had uh, the joy of lots of gospel conversations. Uh, and so that's, that's been a joy. Yeah. So that's kind of who I am in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, so moved here from Texas. Yep. Waco. To, to get, uh, he, he was a member of David Koresh's church. In what? No, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. I told you I'm terrible. Like, I'm the last person that would be doing this. Right. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, Jim. Uh, I just dipped from your bucket. So, uh, yeah, I, I think about, when I think about you, because we've had quite a few conversations, I think about John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life. And so you've spent tons of time doing the radiation thing and, and, and all that. But God has birthed, or he birthed something else in your heart, specifically for you to be a part of, and giving your life away too. Explain that. Yeah, I mean, out of your identity is, is going to flow your interest. And so my, my, the area of interest that, that God has, um, I guess, magnified in my life is, is biblical counseling. I'm like, Lord, I, I know I don't have a whole lot longer to live. So I want to spend the rest of my life helping your church. I, I help. When I say church, I mean his universal church, the Catholic church, small c, the, the, the blood-bought people of every tongue, tribe, nation, eth, eth, ethnos, right? Uh, but, but where do you want me specifically? He's landed us here, and I'm glad of that. But uh, biblical counseling. Is, is what he started in me. I started a course from with the uh, Association of Biblical Counselors in 2021. So I've got my certification in level one. I'm 80% through with level two, and then uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens from there. So. Yeah. So, so this call to biblical counsel, this call to give your life away to serve people in that these kind of these specific areas. So. Yeah. I mean, what areas have you already seen through this uh, sharing with people and counsel like that people may need counsel in specifically? Well, all of all of the uh, you know the toxicities that you mentioned there. I mean, they're they're rampant. They're a real thing. Uh, they keep people and they rob people for from uh, enjoying. I mean, Galatians five. Uh, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Um, all of those toxicities rob us from walking in those in the freedom for which Christ has set us free, and and it's God's word. It is the gospel centeredness. It is the the, the Christocentric life which um, gives us that makes that joy available for us to walk into. So yes, yeah, so speak to that. So what is biblical counsel, and why do people need it? So, so another way, I guess, to say that is why is biblical counsel important for the same reason that. Yeah. Biblical preaching is important. The task and the goal and the aim and the target is the same thing. Uh, to see God's people flourish, right? To see them full of joy. Um, it's, it's biblical counseling really is answering the same call that, that Jesus gives us in uh, Matthew, you know, the end of Matthew. Go and make disciples of all people, right? Or, or Peter's call in, in 2 Peter when he says, add to your faith, Virtue, virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, and self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and godliness, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection, love. And then he says, so if these things aren't in you, and are, they aren't increasing, then you've forgotten 
that you've been bought from your previous sins. It's also answering the call from, from Paul when he prays for us in, in Ephesians 3 when he says, I, I pray that you might be filled by the power of the Spirit that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able, may be able to comprehend what is the height, and the depth, and the length, and the width. So there's dimension there. There's And to know the love of Christ. And then he says, why? why? So that you may, you may experience the fullness of God. That's what, great, that's what gives me joy. Great joy is, is that he intends to come and increase our capacity to enjoy him. That's what he's doing in, in, in sanctification. And I think sometimes as Christians, we undervalue sanctification because maybe we don't understand quite what it is. Well, it's God working in us, both the will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God working in us to increase our capacity for joy. Yeah. I, I love, and if I could maybe go to this, I love C.S. Lewis's analogy of what God is doing in believers. And I think it connects really well to why biblical counseling is important. He says, imagine yourself a living house. And you know that God is going to come into that house and, and do, make some, he's going to change some things. There's a roof that's leaking. Maybe there's some plumbing that needs to be done. You expect those things. God's going God's to do those things. After all, it's his house, right? But then he begins to do something quite unexpected. The house begins shaking, and there's great moving going on, and it upsets you. It hurts. It hurts, and you begin to question, God, what are you doing? Those are the pains of life, the trials of life. God, what are you doing? You expected him maybe to add on a staircase or maybe a courtyard or an extra wing in, in the house, but he's doing something totally different than what you expected. What is he doing? God, God is building a palace. That's what he's doing. Hmm. Why? He intends to come and live there. To me, that has great explanatory power as to what God is doing in his people, even in the pain uh, that we experience in life. He yeah. intends to come and live in fullness in his people. That's awesome. Yeah, so... <laughs> Curveballs of marriage, curveballs of work, curveballs of, you know, whatever. All these curveballs, sometimes people need that counsel. And and so, um, Jim, thank you for for sharing that. And I want to say to you, hey, Jim's here. He's moved here. He is here. And he is available. And this is his information. And if you didn't have a chance to snap that on the screen, I'll be glad to send it to you. Um, You know, if you want that information, fill his calendar book up. Uh, fill it up. He is right here in the house uh, to, to serve you. And so um, there is limited time just because uh, Jim does work a full-time job as well. Um, but the Lord has uh, graciously uh, allowed him to have some schedule flexibility and all that kind of stuff. So get with Jim. Uh, we'd love for you to do that. So again, ladies and gentlemen, Jim Delver. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So Jim's here. Use him. He is here for you. He is here. Dude, you can never say. I don't know who to talk to. Um, We've got plenty of resources and even one now in the house. And Bobby, for honest with you, I cannot believe the dude landed here at Safe Haven 
in the middle of Northport, Alabama. Uh, so uh, you can't have him on Tuesdays and Thursdays because that's when he's trying to fix this brain here. Uh, so uh, anyways, uh, so biblical counsel available. Now, real quick, six uh, gospel categories that do provide lasting joy. And you could probably guess if the first side is toxic traits, the gospel categories are just, all you got to do is add Christ to all of them to fix them. That's the point. That's, that's Scripture's point. So, if we have Christ-centered habits, Christ-centered spiritual disciplines, Christ-centered belief, Christ-esteem, Christ-value, Christ-truth, Christ-help, Christ-freedom, then I'm freed from trying to be God. I'm a terrible God. I'm a horrible God to myself. Christ is not. Christ-centered emotions, forgiveness, rest, release, contentment, peace, hope, laughter, above all else... Grace upon grace, all these things, Christ-centered relationships, flooding yourself, not trying to be in the in crowd, but trying to be in Christ crowd, Um, Christ-centered therapy over that trauma. There is no trauma that Christ does not understand and Christ cannot heal, period, none. That's true. And then I'm going to add a bonus seventh, a bonus seventh for Gospel-centered, lasting joy. Number seven is this. Christ-centered, intentionally giving your best away to others. Statistically, scientifically proven, when you serve others and give away of your life, it fuels you. Fuels you more than anything else. That's truth. Not only is it proven, but it's also biblical. Um, Christ says this. I did not come to be served, but to do what? To serve. And to give my life away as a ransom for many. Give your best away. That's why we challenge you. Give your best away. Use your yard to serve other people. Have parties. Christians, again, should throw the best parties. That's why we had Together for the City, where we tried to mobilize the church to serve and give our lives away. Foreign missions. We've got people heading on foreign missions. Give your life away. Giving, serving. We've got people, even on Memorial Day, out serving in these upper rooms and this other building over here. They're serving. They're giving their life. Serve. Give your life away. Be involved in giving your life away. And that will bring you joy for gospel intentionality. And then, yes, sometimes that means literally giving away everything you've ever known. We're going to have a very tangible example of that today. Tyler, Heather, would you guys come on up?